two things. The first is that we are all, you know, we are all here to awaken and bring something magical forward and mystical and wonderful for the greater good of all. So it's never been more important for each of us to to start contributing to the awakening journey. So if someone feels called or drawn or that they know they have some fabulous music in them or song or something to deliver and share, it's never been more important than now because as each one awakens, when one awakens, the whole of humanity is uplifted. When one being is uplifted, the whole of humanity is uplifted. And the other thing I would say is that there's nothing we can't do be have heal achieve dream we cannot resolve there's nothing that is out of reach for us now there's nothing impossible for us now in a sense as long as we come into alignment with the divinity that wants to be birthed through us and i want people to remember and understand that during this time because there there's a lot of you know getting it's very easy to get distracted by all the bells and whistles it's very easy to get distracted by you know the so-called dark agenda and i think if you really un, it, that's why i said in the beginning you know the five kinds of paths because if you really make your choice and continue to affirm what your choice is about what you want to experience and what you want to do where you want to go in terms of those five paths you got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? If you feel like that's what you want to do. Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always a blessing to be with you all. Well, I've got the gorgeous Laurie Ann Spangner with me on the show today. Welcome to the show, Laurie. Hello, Karen. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. So Neil introduced us via email. I didn't know much about Laurie, but I've been checking you out and looking at all the wonderful work you do because you are one of the upcoming speakers in the Portal to Ascension conference. They've done so many online conferences, but I think this is the first live in-person conference they're putting on in April 21st to 23rd in San Diego, California, and you're going to be chatting there. Yeah, I'm really excited. I love, love, love Neil Gar. It's actually not his first. He's been, it's the first in many years, I think. Oh, okay. All right. Because uh, I've been at his conferences before, and they're always super fun, great for community, wonderful places to connect with, you know, with, with conscious be beings awakening on their ascension journey, on the cosmic journey, and really a great place where you can get up close and personal with speakers and yeah. and healers and intuitives and and other like-minded beings so it's really fun yeah. and very community oriented and very I truth oriented very truth oriented i didn't realize he'd done them before of course he has because he's you know he, he does this stuff it's obviously been for a while because we were all not allowed to gather over the last yes. few years and everyone's excited about gathering again you've just come from yeah. another conference which looked amazing so yeah. you had a great time there what was it <laughs> yeah that was the conscious life expo mm -hmm. in los angeles a whole different kind of arena but still in the realms of the consciousness arena and definitely also very fun um, a little more there. That's more more about speaking. You know, you definitely get everything there: healing and intuition, and you know, it runs the gamut. So, definitely, really awesome. Both awesome places to connect with 
with conscious beings and yeah. and learn more and get energy healing and activated and transmissions, the whole thing. Yeah, meet soul yeah. family. Yes. Uh, look, you've got an amazing thing you're going to talk about. Let me read to people a little bit about you and what you're talking about. It says that you're going to talk about activating your multidimensional being and your dormant mm. DNA, your sacred key codes and your star code markings. Sounds mm. fabulous. Let me read to people a little bit about Laurie, if you haven't heard of Laurie before. Laurie spent 20 years in corporate America and after 20 years of pain and suffering and feeling like she couldn't take it anymore <laughs> and would sooner die than continue what she was doing, she had a near-death experience and first contact experience which changed everything. And so today Laurie and Spagna is a spiritual catalyst, first contactee, ascension guide, multidimensional channel, animal communicator and starseed who transforms the lives of thousands of humans and animals via her channeled ascension guidance dna activations transmissions and energy healing and your website is lauriespagna.com so spagna s-p-a-g-n-a.com and laurie l-o-r-i let's mm -hmm. hear about this first contactee what's that about what what happened there uh, well, what happened was, you know, while all that was going on, while I was working in corporate America, I was so unhappy. It took me like 20 years to realize, like, this is just not the way. This is a slave, kind of a slave race game. So my brother died of an unexpected drug overdose. I started getting messages from him. That was really, he was my wake up call. You know, he was my divine messenger. And the message was kind of like, you're, you're going to go through the same thing I'm, I went through if you don't change. So I ended up sort of really taking the advice. It took me a while to unpack that, but eventually I decided to quit my six-figure corporate job and I became a dog trainer and I started hearing the dogs and they were saying, we're going to teach you. You listen to us and we'll teach you. I had gotten really good at listening and seeing by that point, you know, clairaudience and clairvoyance. And I was getting into the, you know, clairsentience too, just by do becoming a healer. I was working on like my first healing modality was Reiki, Reiki master. So as I stuck with that and I, I was, I ended up moving to Maui. I was living in Maui and I was working with some teachers there, some incredible teachers. And they were teaching me to meditate through the night and how to still the body and still the mind. And, you know, I would meditate on the golf course in Pukalani, Hawaii, where I lived. And one particular evening, you know, there was a ship. I mean, it was like two o'clock in the morning. There's no, you know, stars that move in circular motions really low. It just was no aircraft. It wasn't satellite. And I was already very telepathic at that point. So I just, but very naive about the whole star being thing. But so telepathically, I just thought like, if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. I was really service oriented, Karen. I didn't, I didn't have to learn service. I really wanted to help animals on a global scale. I real that was always my mantra. So I was teleported on ship. This stuff isn't like woo woo. This is real, right? And I mean, there's a whole unpacking of that that happened. But more or less, what I understand now is that that was my star family. That was a divine appointment. I was meant to be there at that time. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a singular moment in time in the sense that I was I was meditating every night on that back porch in, in Maui. So a lot of my dormant um, capabilities were activated. I feel like the higher truth of it is that I blended with some version of my future self or star self. 
I call myself a blended or braided star seed. And that's part of how I'm now able to bring through what I am helping others with, which is, is part of that is the DNA activating and plus so much more because we all have these gifts and abilities. As you know, we just sort of have kind of lost our way a little bit. So we just needed some assistance from our benevolent star family races. So, I mean, that's kind of the long and short of that part. The other part was that I was just working so hard to still my consciousness. Really, I was in search of the divine. I was search of, in search of love. And that was part of, you know, the practices I was going through was just to help awaken that from within me. I didn't understand that at the time. But but through those practices, that's really where I discovered it, you know, that it's within all of us. So, yeah, now I'm mostly focused on just helping people to realize that they can have, do, be, achieve, heal, resolve anything and everything. But it's definitely not through some external authority or external force. It's through our own, the gateway of our own multidimensional heart. And of course, it's all coded within us, within our own DNA. And of course, it all exists in the field of consciousness, which we could refer to six dimensional bandwidth within the Akashic records. And the animals have these, this knowledge and wisdom for us as well. Simple, right? <laughs> oh, well, yes, it's simple to talk about. Maybe not so simple to live for many. But you've got you've got a little friend there. Do you want to yes. introduce us? She to has you? decided. She's so she sweet. has decided she wants to be part of this conversation. Oh, look! <laughs> Sometimes her. she just she misses me because you know I've been away for a week, so she's be. <laughs> She's being a little more um, active than usual. Usually she's, she just says, She's giving you kisses. So for people yes. listening on audio, it's a little, is it a Cocker Spaniel? It's a King Charles Spaniel. King Charles Spaniel. What's yeah. her name? Her name is Emma Shasta. Oh. Emma Shasta Sophia Spagna. Emma That's Shasta Sophia Spagna. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I've got a million questions just from what you said. I want to talk to you about what the animals remind me. I want to talk to you about what the animals have to teach us or have to say to us. But mm. what was your NDE? Was that first contact the NDE? Was that all one no. experience? No, two multiple experiences. So first, I'll just say from an astrological point of view, while this was all happening, the planet Pluto was going through the first, my first house, sorry, she's knocking this, I was going through my first house. So I was going through a transformation of self, so radical, right? And in Hawaii on a vortex, you're familiar obviously with the vortexes, it was just so ultra outer dimensional, you know, like so ultra dimensional. But your question was the NDE part was, I was working with a spiritual teacher who had spent most of his life in the Himalayan mountains, working with you know, Tibetan monks and Buddhists who we don't hear about them. These guys live for hundreds of years in the mountains. They levitate up into those mountains. And he had all those gifts. He himself had seven documented cases of near-death experiences, one of which he was like in the morgue banging on the freezer. Like that's, and some, and one of his students is already, you know, well-documented going into rooms, closing the door, teletransporting and showing up. So hang on, hang on. What, we just what, had a, what happened had, with my NDEs? We were just learning. We just had an internet uh, glitch. Light blip. So you said that one of his students was, and then we had an internet glitch. It has been documented for kind of going into a, a closet or a room, closing the door and 
you know, ending up, you know, on the other side of the planet already teletransporting. So wow. I was studying with him. Yeah. I mean, there's, this is happening, right? We just don't I, hear about I know. this I had stuff. A, I had a guy on the show the other day who, uh, the other day, a few weeks ago, who, who, when he was 17, he, he experienced teleportation, but he didn't do it deliberately. He just had a thought and, and he was teleported. Right. He was in France. He was teleported from his bedroom to outside his girlfriend's uh, door. But uh, yeah, yeah, teleportation. I know it's yes. real. It's yes. real. Yeah. yeah. Go on, I mean, go. I took classes with him where we were learning to project ourselves, you know, get, you know, across ballrooms, like a, a kind of flying. Right. But right. it's the, the basic early stages of, of, of trans teletransportation. In any case, what ended up happening was while I lived in Maui, my first and most beloved animal companion, she transitioned and I went to my regular class with him in so much like emotional pain at the loss of her. It was the very week she transitioned. And I mean, I, I, she went with me to that course, to that class in the car. I could hear her saying, mommy, go to the class, have fun. I'm okay. Mommy, I love you so much. Just be happy, please. Just be happy. Go have fun. But I was just a wreck, you know, in so much, you know, pain at the loss. So I got to the class and I just went to the teacher, like almost begging him, like, please, can you just help me meet her where she is? I knew he could help. And he effectively, this is how I understand what he did, but maybe he knows more. He definitely knows more than I do, or even did it. Certainly did at that time. But my understanding was that because he knew energy so well, he knew how to um, awaken DMT in my brain, and that he basically, I was in the center of the room of the class members, and he, we, we started our energy healing practices that we always do. So we built up a huge amount of energy in the circle, and then when I was in the middle of the circle, he. The, for the best words I can tell you, because I never even asked him what he did. This is just, you know, aftermath of unpacking it, that he blew energy into my brain to awaken the DMT or to open or activate DMT enough that he himself could kind of control, for lack of a better word, how long I would be, you know, out or and how I would return. And so this, the class was two hours so all I know is that it seemed like two moments. I met my dog in the afterlife, the so-called afterlife from this very incredibly, you know, what, ex what to me was a death state or a non-physical, no physicality around me. And she and I had a wonderful experience that really helped me to understand the afterlife. There, there were, there was a, a period of an experience in there where I was like, I don't want to go back because it is, you've heard this before. It's just so blissful and euphoric, right? It's just off the charts of anything we typically experience even beyond joy. And I mean, ecstatic bliss really. And I was so happy and joyful in that, that state. I just didn't want to come back. Of course, you've heard that kind of story before too. And it was like, I don't want to go back and, I had more beings gathering around who I recognized as benevolent, what I call benevolent beings of light. And they would say to me, well, what about your other dog? She's waiting for you. And I'd say, oh, she, but this is all, there's no thought. It's just awareness that seems like a thought. Oh, she'll be fine. Everything's fine. She'll be fine. Well, what about your other dog? There was another dog. Oh, she'll be fine. Everything's fine. Everything will be fine. That's how it is. Everything will be fine. Everything will be just fine. I don't need to go back. 
Well, what about your family? They'll be so worried about you. This went on. So in any case, all I know is what seemed like two minutes later, I did somehow have the awareness of the teacher behind me and him saying, it's time. One, two, three, snapped his fingers. And I just popped back into my consciousness inside of a body and became aware like, oh, there's all these people around, but my eyes were closed. And, you know, from that point, I know that every person in their room put their finger on me. We all were curled up in fetal positions hysterical laughing for what must have been perhaps another hour at least something because that much the energy is so powerful that all they needed to do is put one or two fingers just like that and everyone was just in spontaneous hysterics joy you know oh and that was awesome (laughs) so that is the story of my near death it wasn't in the traditional sense of you know in a hospital but it definitely was a dmt release kind of experience so for me as far as I knew I was dead yeah it's it's uh, it's interesting when you talk about it it sounds like they were trying to get you to make the decision to go back yourself what about this what about that and you were like just so I'll be fine I'll be fine it sounded like you were sort of drunk on love and um, (laughs) and and yet uh yeah they were still trying to sort of get you to make that decision and you didn't and he made the decision for you kind of brought you back in, you know? in a sense yes yeah but in a sense you could also say that that would be the only way really because I don't believe that I was ever so what I think I know and I don't pretend to know like there's so many things we think we know and we don't know yeah but this is definitely beyond kind of belief but what I think I know is that when it's really really we have you know we have death windows where we get to make choices but we can't really leave if it's not really our time in a sense. So I, what I think I know is that that was for a reason and a purpose and I was always meant to come back and that I always would in that experience so that I could bring that forward. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah the, the, the window, the, the exit point. The, yeah. Yes. The point. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I remember feeling a bit down oh, a few years ago. How many years ago? A while back. I don't know, 10 years ago. And I um, had somebody else on the show and we were swapping some sessions and I said, I think I'm nearing an exit point. And, and she said, you guides are just laughing hysterically. And then as soon as she said that, I'm like, yeah. I'm just, I'm just like, I'm just like indulging in negative crap and there's really not an exit point there at all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think those happen for a reason so we can continually remember to affirm that we do desire to be here. Right. And then also sometimes it is so that we can connect it with something that is so far, you know, beyond our reality that we can bring into this reality. And I would say that that whole period of time during those those two years while I was living in Maui were ultimately for this purpose, that everything that transpired there in my personal life was so that I could begin the, the process of extracting information, energy, and consciousness from the non-physical, from what we call the higher or pure dimensional realms, so that I could bring it here. And I really do think that that's, that's been my, you know, overall core mission since is to help that blending that merging of non-physical and physical and also to help strengthen and really anchor in that which is of the higher pure dimensional realms into the physical world so that we could all up level 
you know, and that's, you know, not only are so many star seeds doing that and light workers like yourself, like we're here doing that together to support earth, humanity, the evolution to support and assist, but also to affirm our willingness in a free will reality. We have to choose it. Yeah. So by, like, by having those experiences in a way that is so, um, you know, legitimate and real, that's why, you know, we get to be in here and we're, we're, we're transforming and transcending the woo woo that's been so discredited. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, that's a big part of it too. You know, huge, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. Uh, and so right. what, did Jam, what does Jamie Butler say? It's not woo-woo, it's true-true. That's her catch cry. Oh, I love that. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's not woo-woo, it's true-true. You right? know, people that. are like, people are like this whole psychic thing, this woo-woo thing. And I'm like, hello, we're all psychic. How do you think mothers communicate with babies that are, you know, mm. like telepath, telepathy? Like we're all, in fact, years ago, the Seth books, and I was in my 20s, I read the Seth books. And I remember he said, you humans, you're all communicating telepathically all the time. You're just not yes. aware of it. But they said, yes. think about driving on your roads and how there is that telepathic. It's so fast mm. too. It's like mm-hmm. you're driving and you kind of know what that person's going to do before they do it. It's like it's happening mm-hmm. all the time. We're just not aware of it. Yeah. And it's been said to be woo-woo. Yeah. yeah there's just I mean, to me, I just say one other thing on that because it's such it's such an interesting conversation, right? At this point when someone says it's woo-woo, it's almost you know, and I don't mean this in a condescending way, but it's almost a bit laughable because if you think it's woo-woo, you haven't learned the science. Telepathy is scientifically real and valid. We all have the theta brainwave, the theta brainwave frequency transports and exchanges information. We already know through, for example, the Institute of Heart Math that we have brain matter in our hearts, that the hearts have the ability to communicate through the same brain matter that is that makes up the brain. We already know that our skin is the largest extrasensory organ that exchanges information. We could go on and on and on about this. We already know that there's a gamma brain wave that allows us to, to move things with our consciousness to, to be in multidimensional, which means to have multiple dialogues and a dialogue is not just talking exchanges of information and energy at multiple times with multiple kinds of awarenesses so for people to say it's just woo woo at this point you know at some point we'll just start kind of flipping it and being like well it's you know politely respectfully that's just ignorance i mean you can deny you can deny that if i if i drop this this piece of you know lip gloss that it won't drop you can deny that gravity that the experience of gravity will not pull it down but it doesn't matter you can deny it. You can call it woo-woo, but it's real. That's how I feel about that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, there's been many psyops, really. There's been many deliberate lies put into the collective consciousness and perpetuated through a media system yes. that become yes. the norm. And yes. and and lately, even in the mainstream, there have been so many paradigm-breaking moments. I mean, yes. the whole UAP, UFO, you know, and the news yeah. is... Because like the psyop of if you believe in uh, life in the cosmos or UFOs, you're crazy. It was like this huge thought that perpetuated humanity and it still exists. Like my daughter, who's totally open and conscious, thinks that if I talk about aliens, I'm crazy. So it's still there, (laughs) even amongst the like conscious meditating ayahuasca, you know, communicate the community. Yeah, it's it's interesting. But yeah, it's up to us Mm. to shift it and make it. 
It's one of the biggest things right now. I mean, we can see over and over again how important discernment is. Right. And I mean, obviously we could see it in 2020 with the choices we made and since Mm -hmm. then. And even now as there are, you know, in the realms of consciousness, there are even false lights, false teachers, false authorities of every kind. Mm -hmm. So if we don't understand, you know, if we don't have the ability to discern and, and I always teach there's, there's five categories there. There's people who serve the dark people and beings who serve the dark and the dark agenda, people and uh, and beings, much smaller group who serve the light and the light agenda, people who serve the balance, very small group there, very, very small group. And um, then you have people and beings who just serve the egoic structure, the ego identity and then you have beings who serve the greater good that's becoming the larger group the largest group but up until now the largest group is just people and beings who serve the ego so if you understand good yeah i love that yes i call those people the difference makers they know they're here to make it yes they might not particularly be spiritually orientated or they might be religious or or atheists or whatever and they might even be sport spiritually oriented a lot of them are religious leaders or they might be a reverend in a church or Mm -hmm. a lot of them are you know coaches consultants Mm -hmm. a lot of them are healers a lot of them are guides you know there's lots of beings Mm -hmm. who are serving the greater good and we're grateful to them right they have they're just not necessarily fully aligned with god's will god's source creator's will for lighted creation because there is a plan of the light many people don't understand that and it's very easy to get lost in all of the you know hyperbole but if you understand that there is a plan for lighted creation and when you start getting on board with that plan in service to that plan that's when miracles start to happen that's really where the goods you know you don't have to get on board with that plan by the way you just get on on board with the plan of serving the greater good and it all starts to happen from there yeah serving yeah. anything really serving any anything and anyone outside your own self desires and needs and wants and the wants of the ego that believes in separation mm-hmm. look you said something about serving the truth uh, uh laurie and i were just having a quick chat about her name because she's laurie ann and i said my middle name is Anne as well and do you want to tell people what you said about i wrote it down i'm like this is so interesting she said do you know what Anne means and i said no kind of but do you want to tell people what you said about Anne? I thought that was really interesting. As a middle name, Anne as a middle name. Yeah. Well, all of our names. Yeah, all of our we choose our names in consciousness, and uh, all of our names have vibration. Everything's vibration, and the vibration can translate. I've been studying names and name sacred nameology for well over twenty years. It's one of the ways I started to get to know people and use my discernment. And I used to just ask God, Source. Like, tell me everything about this person that I need to know. And then I'd start to ask for the similarities. So Anne is a name that means mastery or one who is working to achieve mastery. It can also mean in another lifetime, it could mean or parallel reality. It could mean that someone was working to achieve sainthood, uh, depending on their unique trajectory, right? But because it's in the middle of your name, it's, it is not this lifetime it's from a past or parallel lifetime which really those are the same and that means in a past or parallel lifetime you achieve some degree of mastery and or sainthood could be the same the the challenge is to not not be a martyr but because of that mastery and or sainthood that you achieved with the name Anne in a past lifetime because it's your middle name me too you are a very trustworthy being Anne's are very trustworthy 
and saintly, more or less saintly. And we just have to be mindful of not being martyred martyrs, right? Because we are very giving, very generous, very caring people who really are doing our best to be in our mastery and to utilize the gifts, talents, and abilities that we learned and cultivated in this in this or these other lifetimes. And by bringing the name Anne into this lifetime, we brought through, we are bringing through mastery from other lifetimes into this reality. So that probably means for you, as I know it has for me, that chances are a lot of your gifts and your talents and abilities, you didn't actually have to learn yeah. this time. They just started to awaken. They just started. It's like you might've had to tweak them and cultivate them, but they came online. Is that right for you? It is. And I really believe that mm. we're all masters in our own right. I mean, yes, the earth experience is difficult. And, um, you know, to achieve mastery over the ego, that's all about the, I want, I want, I'm, you know, feeling the lack of like that living mm -hmm. in lack, living mm -hmm. in not enoughness, living in separation. It is a challenge to achieve mastery over yes. that. But I think it's yes. all possible for everyone because in truth, we're all masters when we're not entrenched in this third dimensional experience. Yes. And um, yeah. And like you said, this like learning something as opposed to remembering I think that's well for all the people I attract anyway and I think that all the people you attract I mean there is a whole mass you know there's a lot of people out there in the world and I attract a very small portion mm -hmm. uh, but those people that are attracted to your work and my work yeah they 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 choose to remember their mastery I think yeah yeah for sure it is what we're here to bring forward is encoded into our DNA yeah. No two strands, or I should say no two sets of DNA are exactly the same. It's like the thumbprint. Like we all have one unique, and that's the same concept with our DNA. We all have our own unique set, which does have encoded within us all of the gifts and talents and abilities and 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 superhuman, you know, abilities that we have achieved in in other lifetimes, but also what we're meant to bring forward in this lifetime that maybe we do have to restore, remember, relearn, reignite, whatever it is, it's there when we are ready for it. And it is sort of like, um, it is about vibrational resonance. We become resonant with that version of us that already knows it, does it, has it, you know, has cultivated it. We, and we, and we experience it sort of through like a linear approach in a way but it's it's it is within us, and yeah, we're all unique with our own unique gifts. And at the same time, there are so many. I'm sure, you, of course, you know, like commonalities. Like anyone can learn animal communication and telepathy, but everybody has their unique way of delivering and sharing and exchanging. Anyone can be a healer, but that not all healing modalities are right, and not everybody shares the same. And even within the same modalities, each unique being has their unique ways, and so all of that is 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 within our yeah within our remembrance that we you know awaken for sure speaking of animal communication i'm going to come back to that question you said that when you became a dog trainer you your psychic abilities opened and you started hearing the animals what mm. were they saying to you you said that they had a mm. very important message like they're very important in this ascension journey what were they saying to you or what do they say to you the thing about the animals, and I think this is becoming more more and more widely known, but I did not know it back then, um, is that the animals are here to help the humans. 
the animals are here to help the humans awaken. So animals are always what, what they excel at is the universal language of love. We are learning. We are, we can say remembering, but at the same time, we experience it as if we're learning it. We are learning and remembering this universal language of love, which is language of energy, energetic exchange, energetic vibration. It's an extrasensory way of experiencing ourselves and one another. And so because that's that's the animal's primary language, uh, the energy of love and the vibration of love, they are just being it all the time. And so they're assigned to humans and also sometimes places on the earth or waters, of course. And they're using their energetic resonance, their consciousness in terms of how they vibrate and what they know, how they basically are being to be that. So when an animal lives with a human, they're basically, they're the, they're the sponges. So they're healing the human by feeling and experiencing and then absorbing the energy in the environment that they live in and then reflecting it to the human to help the human become aware. Uh, this is the energy in my environment. And it's really emitting typically from the human because the animal is assigned to that human sort of as a healer and a teacher. So, so animals are always the healers and teachers for the humans around them to help them learn this universal language of energy and exchange. And ultimately, if an animal, for example, gets sick or ill, their desire is to help the human heal and resolve those issues related to the particular sickness or illness or disease. If an animal has particular behavioral traits or qualities, it's usually the energetics that they've taken on from the human that the, that the human needs to either address or resolve or recognize in some way. It always depends on every unique individual. And then, you know, when you go to the animals in the wild or in nature, they're usually working on healing that area, right? It's commonly known that whales and dolphins are keeping the vibration of the water side because if they weren't there, we probably would have, um, you know, poisoned our waters a long time ago um, or somehow ruined or depleted, who knows, right? But they're always working on that with their echolocation, their song, their um, all of their abilities that they have. So, you know, and then animals on the earth are working in different places and ways too. So does that make sense? Darling, such synchronicity. I was watching mm. a show on some streaming platform last night about this celebrity uh, UK. He's a car person. Uh, anyway, the show's called Clarkson's Farm. So he's made millions of dollars in his car show and he's bought a farm and he's making this documentary series about him trying to be a farmer. Anyway, the last episode mm. last night was he bought cows and there was this one white cow that he was breeding and they kept artificially inseminating mm. her and she never mm. got pregnant. And now mm. she was nice and fat and he bought the cows to make money out of them. I mean, it's all about mm. how to make money on the farm. Totally horrendous farming practices, but he does sort of try and do a little bit of anyway. Um, and so this cow is now fat. And is going to make him a lot of money if he slaughters her as meat. So he opens a restaurant and he has this neon sign that says, no vegetarian food here. Mm. <laughs> Everything on the menu is meat and it mm. all comes from his farm. It was so interesting. This cow is white, this one white cow. So the very last sentence 
of the show was all the experts are saying she has to be the next cow you bring to slaughter to feed your restaurant. She's nice and fat. She's going to make you a lot of money. She's not a breeder. She's not doing her job. So all the science and the logic around the cow was take her to slaughter. And Clarkson is like thinking, thinking, thinking. And the last thing he says, he turns around and he says to his wife, guess what? We've got a pet cow. So he makes the decision not to slaughter her. Oh my God, you froze up right then. What? What? Wait, oh. wait, you froze up right there. So oh, he, he so makes the decision not to slaughter her. So the last sentence in the in the the whole thing is he turns to his wife and he says, "Guess what? We've just acquired a pet cow. So instead of making thousands of dollars on this cow, slaughtering her and and selling her beef mm. in his restaurant." This white cow, because he's like, he's making the decision. She's looking at him and she's beaming this energy at him, mm, right? Mm. And she's this white cow. It's just so beautiful to see how she is affecting this man. Like, mm. and he makes this really radical decision, you know, based on mm. his, uh, you know, uh, love for her. And, mm. and I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Uh, mind you, he slaughters the other cows and all that sort of stuff, but it's just when you talk about how they're here to teach us and they're here to show us a different way, you know, it's just so synchronistic that mm. this white cow, like pure white cow, white eyelashes, all the rest were sort of normal cow looking, you know, brown mm. and black and white and sort of thing. She was there to sort of teach this man that it's it's not the bottom line, you know. Interestingly enough, That's awesome. the series is how much money he loses trying to be a farmer and um, sustain these normal farming practices. And he just loses hundreds of thousands of dollars and all the farmers around him are losing money. And I'm watching this thinking, you've got to change, guys. You can't do it like this anymore. Anyway, so interesting. That do you, you know, I can talk. I could talk with you about that for a long time, because, like, for example, I, I, one of the things I work with is weather patterns and I've gotten pretty good at it over the years it started off rather unconsciously but um just like out of the desire to to have better experiences when hurricanes would come and um I started working with the hurricanes and over the years I've started to learn how to communicate with weather patterns because they're all consciousness too so one of the things I've learned is that the tornadoes come as a way to clean up slaughterhouses especially in the midwest because they're just saying we have to wipe this out this is not okay. The pain, the suffering that's here. And um, one of the things that the cows say repeatedly is, you know, if you're going to use us for your meat, your food, then at least just, just treat us well while we're here. Just stop forcing us to constantly breed and rebreed. You know, let us live out lives in green pastures. Treat our babies well. That's one thing the mother cows are really... They don't like that their calves are taken from them. They don't like not knowing what happens to their calves, especially the whole veal, you know? And so, I mean, it's like, if you're going to eat us, at least just treat us well while we're here. We're willing to give our bodies up. We, we recognize you perceive that you need us for that, but just treat us well. It's not that hard. You know what I mean? Just change our ways to treat them well and in so doing we will be healthier too because we know that grass-fed cows for example are much healthier to eat than farm-raised you know force injected gmo-fed cows and the one other thing i'll just say on this topic area is that i have commute i don't eat cows i haven't eaten any cows since 
before the age of 13, I just really was like my first time I ever found out what happened to a V, you know, a baby cow. I was like, never again. And that was it. But, um, where was I going with that? Um, oh, I've talked to communicated with so many cows and I just want to put it out there. They're like dogs and cats. They're like pets. They're, they're that kind and loving and heart centered as animals. They are, they're not like fish. Like if you talk to fish, fish are kind of like, I've asked a lot of fish, like, how do you feel about being eaten? You know, what's your, what do you think about being eaten? And they're like, every time I've ever talked to any kind of fish, they're kind of like, well, yeah, we eat each other. That's a big deal. Which is kind of a surprising, you know, (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. Right. That's so interesting. Right. I heard so, um, there's a group of beings called the Ponti who are kind of like humanoid greys that apparently have a base on earth and communicate for a few different people. And they speak about their dietary habits and they say they're basically vegetarian except for fish. Yeah. There is a there is a contractual spiritual agreement that fish are supplied as a food source on earth. And I said, really interesting. Yeah. I, still I get that too. Them. Yeah, I still don't eat I've them. I've never but, heard that. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I thought, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, actually, if you talk to pigs, pigs will say we are carrying a, a um, something in our, they might not use the word in their DNA. I never heard that from them, but mm-hmm. they're having the, they have the energy of grudge and resentment because they want people to understand it's not okay to eat them. Mm-hmm. And they want people to learn free will. They're They're trying to teach people, you can't go against our free will. So this energy of grudge and resentment is that if you eat pigs, you will develop likely the potential to develop cancer, which is what causes grudge and resentment, which is why it's commonly known that bacon can, some forms of pig can cause, can contribute to, sorry, I'm correcting myself because it's not, mm-hmm. nothing's, that's never the cause of it. Mm-hmm. Like the energy of grudge and resentment can be the cause of cancer. So they carry that energy in a way that's there to enable humans to learn. We do not want to be eaten. Mm-hmm. And it's against our free will. So I myself never, never eat pigs and never use them for my dog's food either. Yeah, but it's all part about being coming conscious. And we live, we do live in a free will reality where we get to have any experience we want basically here more or less. And yeah. it's about deciding like, who do you want to be and how do you want to represent and what energy mark do you want to leave and what energy do you want to contribute? And so for me, I, I know I live my life doing my best to, you know, to do my best to eradicate energies of pain and suffering and to contribute energies that will be really supportive of, of God's plan for lighted creation in service to the light. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that about pork because, you know, in the Jewish faith, they sort of don't eat the pork because they say it's unclean. And I, I don't know that the whole unclean thing was really the, the reason. I think that there was this reason that you've just said, actually, that mm-hmm. on an unconscious or conscious level, they knew that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was checking you out last night because, as I say, I didn't know much about you and Neil introduced us and I was like, whoa, look at this. She's fantastic. And I heard you say something really interesting when you yeah. were sharing your story on another video. You said you created a mantra that says, I want God to be my boss and I want the truth about everything, no matter what. 
And that was kind of quite at the beginning of your journey. Like, how did that play out? Like, I want the truth about everything, no matter what. Like, that is quite a statement to make to the universe. Like, truth, <laughs> com- truth comes in many forms, right? Many yes. Forms. Well, let me say first, I, I love that you just asked me that question. R in namology is a truth letter. It's playing with the truth. It has to learn truth. Learn again is the operative is an operative word. But so, um, for example, if you, you know, if there and by the way, if there's a a, a letter that corresponds to non truth, think F, like F A U X or F A U F O. We we know some celebrity or some former famous people with that spelling who are very just but in any case f might be fake or phony but r wants truth so it doesn't just necessarily you you have an r in your name doesn't necessarily mean they are absolutely truthful but in some way their their soul is wanting to discover truth so but for me yeah i think it's because i grew up if i were to say where that came from was i just i think i grew up in an environment where there was no truth, familial. I I didn't know at the time, like I didn't identify as a young person as psychic or highly intuitive. In retrospect, I would say that's why I knew there was lies around me, but I don't think the people around me knew that they were overtly lying. I think that they were coping in their world and they were very unconscious and they weren't searching for truth. So whatever was serving them in the moment was whatever they would say. And then um, I remember when I started really coming into my gifts in the very early stages, I was married at that time to my ex-husband who just was a, what I call a carpet sweeper, you know, spiritual bypasser. He wasn't even a spiritual bypasser. He's just a carpet sweeper, which means, you know, pretending the truth doesn't exist, doesn't want to know, just doesn't want to know, doesn't, just in a state of denial. And I just never respected that. I mean, I'm not saying I don't respect all beings are respectful, respect worthy, worthy of respect because they exist. But I just don't, for me personally, I, I don't respect lies or that kind of carpet sweeping or even spiritual bypassing, which we, we do those things as ways to survive in this reality. However, to know that I would rather the truth. So I, I guess that's where that originated from. You know, all I know is that in my quest for truth, it has really served me well. It wasn't necessarily easy. <laughs> it's definitely not easy when you're around people who don't want truth and you do, right? But it definitely does really, I believe, serve on the journey of awakening. Yeah, it really helps. But you have to desire to know it. There's most people out there don't really want truth. They say they do, but they don't. If they did, we wouldn't have the world leaders we have. Mm-hmm. If they did, we wouldn't have the pandemics that we've had. Like there's things that would not happen be happening mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. people really wanted truth. If we did, there would be no more war. Mm-hmm. Those things, those things I just mentioned cannot coexist in a sense with truth. Because truth is that we are all for, there's not a ton of truths, but let's just say the ultimate truths, right? The ultimate truths that are undeniable truths, whether you believe or not, is, is irrelevant. We exist. We all exist as one, as ultimately part of one divine 
infinite, omnipresent, omni-aware, omni-conscious source. That is absolute truth. Now, if you understand that, and that in that existence, as all part of this one divine, infinite, omnipresent, omni-aware, omni-conscious source, that what one does affects the whole. That is absolute. So therefore, if we under, really understood that absolute truth, no one would ever want anyone to be harmed or hurt or suffer in any way. Once we get that truth, if you decide to be part of the solution, you need truth. You want truth. If you really want to be part of the solution. So, and I'll say this too, you know, those of us who are lightworkers and starseeds, we hold many of the divine virtues. We all hold divine virtues. And one of the divine virtues is divine truth. And I know that I'm a key holder, you know, a record holder for that. I'm a key holder is a better word than a record holder. So many of us are. We want You are. You know that about yourself. Not just because you have the R in your name, which, of course, that is an indicator of it. But also because you're, you're bringing about truth through the interviews you do, through the exchanges of information. So the people who hold divine truth are often speakers, teachers, or some form of radio show host, podcast host, or, you know, varieties of that. Conferences, Neil Gar, who we mentioned, great example. Look at there's an R in his name. Keepers of truth, here to reveal truth. So it's, I mean, anyway, I guess that's enough said about that, right? Oh, I died when you made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I love that you said, you know, when you're working in corporate America and you're like, I don't want to work for these bosses anymore. I want God to be my boss. I thought that was such a great mantra. Mm, God, yes. God being the divine aspect of me that is completely in alignment with my soul's plan and why I'm here. Not some God that's like some dude outside myself giving me commandments, but that divine yes. aspect of me that knows why I'm here on earth and what I'm here to do and like listen to that authority. That's my boss. Yes. I just love yes. That. Yeah. See, if we would all really strengthen and align our connection with the divine, I know you know this. I know it's been said, but it just really that is our source, source, creator, God, the divine, not a Santa Claus in the sky who's separate from us. That source that permeates in and through all of us, around all of us, radiates in, through, and around all of us, connects all of us. That infinite source of omni-intelligence and omni-awareness, that source, it's infinite. So once we really recognize and, and strengthen our connection through divine alignment, through like the purification of our own fragmented, wounded, traumatized aspects, all the junk and gunk in our morphogenetic fields right which is the field of of our totality of our individual beings once we do that we really will all recognize that there is infinite source infinite supply infinite love infinite resource infinite truth everything else is just the game of duality and also that the game of duality can and will continue without what we have formerly identified as pain and suffering, which was brought about to, which also kind of in a sense birthed evil, they experienced evil to extinguish the light. Dark and light will still exist just in a whole new way. It will be like the gradients of duality without the evil, the pain and the suffering. That's not required for the game of duality to continue.
that's what we're shifting into. And that's what will be available to us as we choose it. We have to choose it. Yeah, that dovetails perfectly with something else I uh, was thinking about when I was watching you last night. Um, I was watching your video on your YouTube channel called The Future Timelines, Trajectories and Realities Mm. Beyond 2022. And you were talking about being aware of what's going on, like truth that doesn't feel so good. You know, truth that because this is a this is something I discussed in a class that I do deliberate creation classes, and it was a question someone asked me the other day. It's like how much discernment, like we're listening to a lot of these truths coming out, this disclosure of corruption, and it doesn't feel good. Uh, mm. Versus not knowing and getting upset about it. Uh, what do you want to say about that? Do we stick our head in the sand and say, "No, I don't want to mm. know about that because I want to be love and light and only feel good"? Mm. I mean, how do you? Because truth. You know, tr- truth comes in many forms, right? There's not just the truth about who we are as omnipresent, uh, unified, you know, the unified field, but there is truth coming out, like the light is revealing the truth. <laughs> my mm-hmm. guides my guides give me this hilarious, like, image of, you know, the people at the disco and there's dim light and then they turn the light on. It's like, ah, it's, everyone's quite scary. <laughs> you can see the truth of yes. people are. Right? Yes. Like, what's happening on planet Earth? The light's being turned up and we're seeing the truth of whose people, like all the distortion to the source. Yes. Like, what do you want to yes. say to people about that? Well, what I want to say is that in order to align with the divine, you must be willing to see all shades and all variants. So the unwillingness, the attachment to only light or only love or only that which feels good and right, the attachment will keep you in the game of duality because you're just now part of the pawn of extremism, right? Good, bad. And you're on that pendulum swing. So the way out of the game of duality, well, okay, the way out of the extremism, the way out of the dark is to recognize that it does exist in this reality, that none of it's just theory. There's some truth or some mis, there's all kinds of mishigash. And there must no longer be, if you really want to come into alignment with the divine, carpet sweeping spiritual denial it does not work it just keeps you in the game so you have to somehow fall in love it's not easy you must somehow become the energetic love that is no longer in resistance or reaction or judgment to the very things that you have formally i'm saying you but i mean anyone formally seen or perceived to be dark or evil there must be a kind of willingness to accept that that has been part of the game of duality and the game of unconsciousness in the world of this circus act like this, this circus act, the circus of the 3D reality, right? The circus of unconsciousness, of God's game on earth in the physical world this is the game to expand consciousness, to have experiences. So if you want to get out of the game as you know it or have known it, which we call the third dimensional reality where all the pain and suffering exists, in order to do that, you must, in a sense, come into divine neutrality, the sacred neutral, which can only really, it's not a brain thing. It's a heart thing. One must go through what I call the sacred heart, the portal of the sacred heart, so that you fall in love. You become, you know, engulfed with the love that you are can only be discovered. Really, it's not a it's not a brain thing. It's it's revealed to the self through the sacred heart. And then when you're in that state, it's like the way I explained, you know, that that afterlife or that uh, near death experience we talked about earlier. It's like the recognition that the recognition that you're in so much love 
you can have the awareness of all these horrible things that we have formerly judged and just be in love with them, not because you advocate or support them, but because you recognize the frequency of love is now engulfing the whole of reality, which will transform the very experience of those things. To me, that's the way to do it. But you cannot do that if you're in a state of denial or resistance to it. You simply can't because, of course, because here's why, Karen, of course, if there is an infinite omnipresent consciousness that is infinite love, it, that stuff exists too. And it loves it too. So if we want to become one with our source and still maintain our individuality, we must be aligned with that source that is that. And that's why we're being given this gift to awaken so that we can transcend it through our own free will choice. Yeah. yeah. You just completely reiterated what I put out yesterday in a talk I did in the deliberate creation class. Absolutely verbatim, not word for word, but exactly the same meaning. And Paul Selleck, the, you know, the channel Paul Selleck says it so beautifully, the way that the guides use his vocabulary. I just love that. It's like when you see the divine and what you look at, your attention to it transforms it. So mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you're looking at, whether you're looking at a puppy <laughs> or some hideous act, if you can see the divine behind it, like there is mm -hmm. divinity in everything, the good, the bad, and mm -hmm. the ugly comes from one source. You know, mm -hmm. there is there is no source of evil. There is only one source. Mm. Play the Leela. But your attention to the divine transforms it. Yeah. Mm. I just yeah, absolutely. It's so important. Mm. I just feel it's so and important. I mean of course you already know it and are it. All I am, and I know this might sound trivial to some of us, right? But all I am is reflection. You're bringing out of me. I've seen this in my interviews. I do interviews, like I've been doing so many interviews, right? And the the host always brings out the aspect of who they are ready to reveal, right? Who they already are, because everything is really is vibrational match. Everything is vibrational alignment. And it's this is one of the, the greatest gifts in a way of the awakening journey is the recognition that what we see in another is vibrational representation of who we are, not necessarily all that we are, but some aspect of who we are that we are ready to or 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 could be ready to vibrationally you know recognize as self to come into greater love right yeah More recognize wholeness. recognize and reveal and i think yes. that's that's to all the people looking at the clock it's 111 it's all, all the people that are listening to the shows and you know attracted to the work that you do or that anybody does it's like what you're attracted to is you i think you know you've mm -hmm. got to stop saying that you know you're better than me you've had the near death experience or the out of body experience and i haven't but if you're attracted to the work it's because it is you it's it's waiting to be revealed now it's 11 yes. 11 i love that awesome yeah <laughs> 7 11 over here 7 11 11 11 love that and you know seven is a spiritual number too right yeah i mean they're all spiritual numbers but seven is typically the number of aligning with the divine what would you like before we go what would you like to share with people about i don't know the ascension you were talking at the portal to ascension about the ascension and and their part in it any last words you'd like to say well i want to say that two things the first is that we are all you know we are all here to awaken and bring something magical forward and mystical and wonderful for the greater good of all 
So it's never been more important for each of us to, to start contributing to the awakening journey. So if someone feels called or drawn or that they know they have some fabulous music in them or song or something to deliver and share, it's never been more important than now, because as each one awakens, when one awakens, the whole of humanity is uplifted. When one being is uplifted, the whole of humanity is uplifted. And the other thing I would say is that there's nothing we can't do, be, have, heal, achieve, dream, we cannot resolve. There's nothing that is out of reach for us now. There's nothing impossible for us now in a sense, as long as we come into alignment with the divinity that wants to be birthed through us. And I want people to remember and understand that during this time, because there, there's a lot of you know, getting, it's very easy to get distracted by all the bells and whistles. It's very easy to get distracted by, you know, the so-called dark agenda. And I think if you really, un, it, that's why I said in the beginning, you know, the five kinds of paths, because if you really make your choice and continue to affirm what your choice is about what you want to experience and what you want to do, where you want to go in terms of those five paths, you'll, you'll be on the right train going to the right destination, so to speak. You'll be in your right trajectory, your right alignment. So I hope that's helpful. No, I hope that makes sense. I love that, what you said about the five paths. Just um, repeat that for people that are listening, the five paths. Yeah. What, what are the five paths? So when you know that you're on a particular path, you make a decision, this is my path, there you will be. Yeah, there's the path of the dark, right? The path of the dark, which is, a path of secrecy, coercion, manipulation, lies, deceit, service to self, um, I, me, mine. And in the path of the dark, of course, there is evil in there because the purpose of the dark, in a sense, is to extinguish itself. It's full of self-sabotage, argument, debate, disagreement, righteousness, superiority, arrogance, celebrity, fame, fortune over, you know, over truth, like all those things, right? Then you have the path of the ego, like that's still I, me, mine. It's a survival path. So it, it's not necessarily out to do harm and be secret, covert, manipulative, but it does include a lot of that. It's sort of service to the self. And then you have a kind of like service to the to the balance, which is kind of very few are there. They are typically people who are perfectly happy and not always people, right? They could come in different forms. But they're perfectly fine. Like Esmeralda, if you're familiar with her as an ascended master, she's a being who serves the balance. They understand that the balance allows duality to happen and it doesn't allow one to get too off balance. So they're serving that purpose. So they're perfectly comfortable using the dark if they need to. And they're perfectly comfortable using the light if they need to. And then you have the part path of the greater good of all, which is really where most, there's a good chunk of people that group is getting larger and larger now. Great group to be in, in my opinion, they're serving the greater good. They're, you know, they're out there, a lot of spiritual teachers, definitely old paradigm spiritual teachers, coaches, healers. You know, there's lots of great, great, wonderful things happening out there and they're serving the greater good and they have a real purpose. And then you have a smaller group you know, serve, truly serving the light and they understand or we understand our role in God's plan of light of creation is to serve and support the light and the transformation of the human and earthly collective experience into, you know, alignment with God's will and God's plan for light of creation, which really, in my opinion, is one where everybody thrives and prospers and comes into love and still gets to experience duality through like how much love can we create? How much joy, how much, what amazing newness 
all new, not by dragging the past into the new, but by creating and contributing to and allowing all new to be birthed out of love and joy, et cetera. So yeah, to me, those are the paths and you get to choose. And as long as you are consciously knowing whatever path you choose and consciously deciding, you have the right to that. But I just want to say that not all paths lead, lead to the same destination. They don't, in fact, lead to the same destination. So it's kind of like, yeah, train cars leaving the station. You just want to know which train you're on. Choose wisely. Beautiful. Wonderful. And for people who want to uh, meet Laurie and have more of your amazing teachings, you can do so in San Diego in April. Yes. At the Ascension at the uh, Portal to Ascension Conference. The website is ascensionconference.com. And you can check out all the speakers, amazing speakers. You're in the company of some fabulous people. It would be yes. such a wonderful. I'd love to be there, but I can't be there this year. So maybe another year. And uh, it's been such a joy and a pleasure to have you on the show. It's been so delightful meeting you. It's just like another oh, soul sister. Thank you so yes. much. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. It's been a pleasure and an honor. I'm really grateful. And remember, your website is lauriespangner.com. I'll have it um, on the YouTube and in the notes. Thanks again, darling. Awesome. Thanks. What an absolute delight to meet Laurie. She's just gorgeous. What a surprise. Well, when I say surprise, you know, I meet a lot of people, but sometimes I really connect with some people. I feel, oh, she's a soul sister. I've met her before. <laughs> that was just such a beautiful conversation there's so many more conversations we had actually like usual we had such an expansive conversation after the show about many things that um, some platforms don't want us to talk about yeah it was uh yeah really interesting we were actually talking about safety because we were talking about people that participate or that go to sort of conferences and uh, she was saying, you know, how many people were attending conferences and it's still not as, you know, maybe the big crowds aren't coming back after what we've been through. And I said, do you think people are feeling safe, you know, gathering in large crowds like the public when I say not the presenters, but the public. And we had a conversation around safety. What did she say? And she said that she was exploring safety with her guides, with her source. And she asked the question. Now I wrote it down. What did I say here? She asked the question. Ask source, what does it mean to be safe, to feel safe? What does God's sources, what is God's or source's definition of safety? And I think that's such a great question to ask your inner being, your guide, your source, your divine wisdom. What is what is your definition of safety? Because it's not the human definition of safety. You know, we think that safety is about getting locks on the doors and you know cameras and you know safe I'll feel safe when everything's locked and everything but it's not that at all it's like being connected to infinite love and bliss and knowing that you are protected and guided and loved and safe no matter who you're with no matter where you go that safety is you are you are safe I mean you're in love and it's about feeling that love and uh, knowing that all that's happening is happening for you the good, the bad, the ugly, all of it is all a part of spiritual growth and that you can elect, you know, exactly what it is that you want to experience and you can view it and experience it with love and light. So therefore, do we need to be 
safe? Do we need to buy into this safety? It was such a great conversation. I said, oh, that's such a great conversation. I wish we had that on the show. She said, we can do it again. I'd love to do it again with Laurie, get her back into the inner sanctum, get her into the inner sanctum maybe next year or because I think I'm booked out for this year and have that conversation and many other conversations we can have because she's just so expansive, just a wealth of knowledge and information. So beautiful. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Neil. I'm going to write to Neil and say thank you for introducing me. Just beautiful. What did you think of Laurie? What did you think of the conversation? Did you pick up some pearls of wisdom? Uh, Was there anything that you wanted us to expand on in the conversation? Yeah, let me know and uh, come and meet her next time. Or if you're in San Diego in April, you can go and meet her at the Conscious Life, um, not the Conscious Life, at the Portal to Ascension conference, (laughs) getting my conferences uh, mixed up. But yeah, people are coming out, gathering again. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. All righty. Who's coming up this weekend in the Inner Sanctum? Is it this weekend? Where are we? Yeah, it is. Cynthia Sue Larson. Will I get this up before she comes? She's coming into this inner sanctum my Sunday, which will be Saturday. I'll try and get this up before then. <laughs> but for those of you that are on my website, it'll be your Saturday evening or afternoon, the 18th. Yeah, it's your 18th, my 19th. That's it in, in Australia and New Zealand and, you know, down under in the inner sanctum, my 9am for people that are on our, our website and um that are on the newsletter you've you've received the email with the zoom link and if you want to join and i do get this up before saturday because it's tomorrow <laughs> your tomorrow my next day send me an email i'll send you the link uh, but we will do some live so you'll see it on the channel and i just love cynthia she's great she's um just wonderful beautiful she asks the question how good can it get you know what are the questions that you ask in life how how bad can it get? You know, the what ifs. What if this goes wrong? What if that goes wrong? What if you, what if, how good could it get? Like, what if I get everything I want? What if the world shifts? What if things turn out for me? What if everything is working out for me? How good can it get? Ask those questions. Shift your reality, reality shifters. And I'll um, see you in the, uh, see you in the inner sanctum. Also, I'm doing weekly deliberate creation classes on Zoom. If you want to join us, just send me a send me a um, there by donation. Donation. I do ask for between 35 and 50 Australian, which is kind of like I don't know, like 15, 20 dollars American. Yeah, a dollar is pretty low at the moment. And if you can't afford it, you don't have to pay anything. <laughs> but you know, saying to yourself you can't afford it is what you create in your reality. So. Be careful what you believe to be true. I said that once I was running a a, a monthly or a weekly actually meeting and the, one of these little young boy used to come and it was $10 to enter. And he said, Karen, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. Can I come for free? And I said to him, yeah, you can come for free. That's fine. But remember what you make as your statement of reality becomes a reality. If you really believe you can't afford it, that's what you create. Why don't you start thinking you can afford it And you have all the money you need to do everything you want and start affirming that as your reality rather than I can't afford it. And I remember he scratched his head and he thought about what I said because I'm at the door taking his money or not taking his money. And the next time he came to the meeting, I said, would you like to enter for free? And he said, no, I am abundant. (laughs) I'm going to pay more than what it's worth. Let me pay $15 instead of 10. And I'm like, yes, you've taken on what I said. I loved that. So sweet. He was so sweet. Anyway, I'm going to go. 
uh, I'm going to go and have some breakfast <laughs> here in Australia. And remember, if you haven't checked out the book Awakened by Death, please do so. It's a great book. And I will see you next time on the show. As I said, Neil's lined up a few fabulous speakers for me to speak with. Not all of them replied to my email or our email, but um, hopefully they still will. Uh, but there's some wonderful people coming up on the show and I'll catch you soon. Big love to all of you. Bye for now.